Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. Welcome to this special episode of Walk Talk. I'm your host, Jody Scardillo. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Rosemary Hill. Rosemary completed an important clinical project that will influence clinical practice to enhance patient recovery and adaptation to a life with an ostomy in her organization. When we look back at the evolution of skin barriers, it's easy to see how far we have come in providing skin health and security for our patients. In fact, the contraptions we used between the 1920s and 60s looked barbaric compared to the pouching systems we have today. Integrated convex barriers were first introduced in the 1980s, and now we see more and more convex barrier options available for our patients. Additionally, there is a great deal of evidence supporting the use of convexity published in peer-reviewed journals that drive clinical practice for optimal patient outcomes. As products continue to evolve, sometimes our beliefs are stuck in the past. We may have embraced ideas that we learned during our ostomy education or from peers or mentors that may not be based in evidence. The use of convexity could be one of those areas. These long-held beliefs have made the use of convexity somewhat taboo. For example, there has been a long-held belief that using convexity in the immediate postoperative period should be avoided as it may contribute to a mucocutaneous separation. Rosemary is going to share with us her story about how she changed her clinical practice by implementing soft convexity into the operating room to deliver better outcomes for her patients. This episode is commercially supported through an educational grant from Hollister Incorporation. The WOCN Society does not endorse or support products or services. So thanks so much for joining me, Rosemary. I'm so excited to hear about your change in clinical practice with implementing soft convexity in the OR in your organization to help with your outcomes. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about why you felt that change was needed where you practice. Oh, sure. Great to be with you, Jody, this morning. I feel that we were experiencing more and more leakage in that early post-operative period. And patients were really experiencing distress. Also, maybe the highlight was we had more new nurses. And so they were calling saying, oh, Rosemary, can you help? We've got just so much leakage happening here. What do you suggest? And so it was just a real growing awareness of recognizing people were leaking. And you know, when I think about it, Jody, it was during sort of the tail end of COVID and there were a lot more emergency surgeries. And so these were patients who weren't expecting to wake up with a stoma. They weren't elective patients, you know. And so I began to really take a look at what we were doing. And typically, we would put a flat, drainable pouch on any ostomy that was created. And what would happen is the leakage would spill over into the midline, and the effluent would go right on that fresh new incision. The new nurses were saying, oh, what should I use? Are there different pastes? Are there different accessories? 
the skin, the patient was suffering from some skin damage. And of course, some of these leakages were impacting the discharge. We really like to get people out the door efficiently and stable, but it wasn't happening. And so I began to say, how can we do things differently? Okay. We all know that change is not always so easy. And so what was your driving force to make this specific change in your practice? There were rumblings from the back of my brain back in history, because in 2017, and that's a few years back, I participated with an international group of wound ostomy clinicians. And we all started talking about our practice. And what was sort of sifting to the top was that all of us were starting to use more convexity. And I actually, I think there was some publications on those consensus statements that we came up with back in 2017. And then there was another publication in the Jaywalk and in 2021, where we started saying, hmm, what are some characteristics around convex skin barriers? And, you know, I think there was more publications, but right up recent 2022 in Jaywalking about eight consensus statements around convexity. And I got to tell you, Jody, I think these are sort of pivotal that really now they're saying a convex ostomy pouching system can be used safely regardless of when the stoma is created. And we should really be considering it immediately in that post-operative period to offer a reliable seal and reduce the risk of leakage. My training is from years back. I really feel blessed and thankful because my training was at Emory Medical University with Dorothy Doughty. And I remember those years back in, I guess it was 2004, where sometimes there were cautions around when to use convexity. And so now there's new emerging evidence that was starting to kind of sit in my brain as I was looking at these patients coming out fresh postoperatively with a flat barrier and beginning to wonder, is it time to change? Is it time to rejig my thinking there? Obviously, for the patient's sake. Sure. So you really were using the evidence that we now have that we didn't used to have to drive best practice in your organization. Were there other things around that time that drove you to move this along further? Yes, Jody. I have to tell you, I was really, again, very fortunate in 2022. It was a summer. It was WOCN Next. It really was when the world was starting to open up, and it was a face-to-face conference. I think it was in Texas, actually. And I was sitting there. It was at a breakfast, and I heard another Woundostomy Continence colleague, Tammy Lickman. She was on a panel. She was from Orlando, and she was speaking about the fact that she's just introducing soft convexity right in that post-operative period. She was just so genuine in her speaking. And she was also with a surgeon on the panel. And everybody was supporting that notion. And it was a real engaging presentation. You could ask questions. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, this is it. I feel 
okay, I feel safe. I'm going to go back to my organization and I want to see what I can do in my practice, in my community hospital. And, you know, an area I have to say, Jody, was I often found the leakage was almost 100% with fresh urostomy patients. So that's, Jody, where I sort of came out of that conference. I have to admit, I learn so much when I attend conferences. I speak to my colleagues, you connect. And they're the, I'll say it, the boots on the ground. They're in the trenches. And that helps me when I go back and talk to my team. And that peer-to-peer, it's really pivotal. I just want to say that if I look back in my life as a wound ostomy continence nurse, it's been around the learnings I've had from my colleagues and how I can go back and make a difference for my patients and their families. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead. I'm going to take the soft convexity into the operating room in the urology suite. Now, Jody, going into the operating room is a different culture. <laughs> you know sure what I mean? Is. Yep, whole different world there. <laughs> it's a different world. Sometimes I would get called into the OR, and I always enjoy this because I get to see the patient and their wound beforehand, and the surgeon would ask me to assist in terms of application of negative pressure wound therapy and what would be the best option. And I really appreciate that because I see the wound right at the genesis, right at the beginning, and then I would apply the negative pressure wound therapy. And so I get into the OR at least once a week, and so I've been gaining a familiarity with the people who were there, their practices. And so it was with that familiarity that I went to the case leader of the urology suite. And I said, you know, I want to do things differently. I want to put soft convexity, but I also want to use just a little bit of a thin moldable ring. So Jody, I opted to go with soft convexity, a thin ring, show the urology nurses what I'd like to start happening. And let's see what would come from there. So I did that literally right after I got back from conference. And that fall, all of the urology patients did not leak. You see, I used to traditionally get a call to the recovery room to say, Rosemary, can you come? It's the new ileal conduit that's been created. It's leaking all over the place. I didn't get those calls anymore. But better yet, I went to the bedside 24, 48 hours later would look. And I was really pleased to see that the leakage wasn't happening. And that's when I thought, all right, so Tammy has something on this. Let's get going. Let's change it. And let's introduce it to all ostomies. Why wouldn't I? Why would I not put soft convexity for the creation of all new stomas. But then I began to think, hmm, stomas, they come in different sizes and shapes. What is going to be my main piece? What's going to be my main flange and pouching system to accommodate maybe a stoma, Jody, that's around two inches? And so that's where I used a soft convexity that could cut up to about two inches. And I still used a ring. I remember the debate. Should I add this to be more complex to the surgeons and show them about a ring. And I thought, why not? If I'm introducing something new, let's make it a package deal. 
soft convexity, and a thin moldable ring. Okay. So I decided, I don't know why, but I thought I wanted January 2023. I wanted it literally to be a new year. So in 2023, January 1st, that's when the change began. But with change, you have to go careful. You have to do your homework beforehand. So I began the conversation with the surgeons back in December, November. I shared with them pictures. I sent them an email. I sent them all an email of how the flat barrier, how it was leaking, how the fluid, the effluent was leaking onto the incision line, and that I I really wanted to try and do something different and not have that distress for the patients. And yes, as a secondary, I didn't want that distress for many new nurses because there is a little bit of a nursing shortage and many of the nurses on the floor right now, they have 12 months or less experience. And so how could we set up our patients for success? So the surgeons were on board, but you know what, to really sort of cinch it, I wanted to go into the OR as well. So I said to the OR desk in December, any ostomies being created, any of the emergency ones, give me a call. I want to come just at the end of the case and show the surgeon how I want to put that flange on. But you know what, more importantly, Jody, I knew they would be pretty good with the flange, but it was the ring (laughs) I don't think our surgeons play too much with moldable rings and I wanted to show them how that would work. So I kind of did that prep work before January 1st. Also in the OR, each surgeon has a preference list. And so I had to get all their preference lists changed. So when they were scheduled for an ostomy surgery, the supply people knew to bring up the soft convexity and the moldable ring and the corresponding pouch. So there's all that, I call it the behind the scenes work. I had to make sure the supply room, I literally went down to our big central supply place. I met the manager and said, let's go for a walk. Let's see what you have (laughs) on the shelf. What is it that Miss Frizzle used to say? We're going to go on a field trip. Let's go on the field trip to see what's on the shelf. And let's take away what we're not using anymore. So the option is really that soft convexity and a moldable ring. So they were all set to go. And then that final sort of box to tick was they have morning in-services once a month. So all the staff, there was about 30 OR staff, and I talked to them about the upcoming change just because they would be that voice that when the surgeon was finishing the case, because it's usually the surgeon who puts it on, but they could be that voice to also say, oh, yeah, Rosemary's introducing this new flange and ring, and she showed us about it so she could also guide the surgeon accordingly. So that was the background to coming into January 2023. Okay. So 
did you select a size for like urostomies and then a standard size for colostomy, ileostomies? Because I'll tell you, I think people are going to want to replicate this after they hear you. So I'm interested to know like what exactly you used and if that's still working for you. Yes, yes. Okay, so I will say that the stomas that are created in the urology suite for the ileal conduits, like 99.9% of the time, they always fit a two and a quarter soft convexity and the multiple ring. We've not yet ever had to go do anything different from that. But in the gen surge, so for my fecal stomas, my colostomies, ileostomies, loop, whatever, I've gone to two and three quarter inch. But using the exact same ring, just a thin multiple ring, because I guess the reality is, why am I doing that? I guess everybody has some little creases and little valleys. And I just felt that that ring would be helpful. You know what else, Jody? I got to tell you, in those early days, one of my gentlemen, really nice fellow, had an obstructing tumor and he had obstipation. And when we put him into a loop ileostomy, he actually had really high output. And I have to tell you, I was so relieved that right at the get-go, we put him in soft convexity with a moldable ring because he had a high output. And the only thing I did the next day was to change his pouch to manage that high output. I didn't have to change the flange. I can tell you right now, a flat barrier would never have been able to, a flat barrier without a moldable ring would never have been able to manage that high output. So that's just another little caveat related to the soft convexity. Okay. So you actually went into the OR and scrubbed and gowned up and helped them and taught them. You weren't like pointing from across the room saying, now do this. No, no, no. I love that. And, you know, in fact, I remember when we literally placed it, it was on a loop ilio. The surgeon said, oh, wow, I really do see how it kind of pushes the stoma forward. And I said, yes, exactly. So he could see immediately the effects of that soft convexity in a gentle way that both the osses of the loop were now sort of featured well above skin level. So yeah, I kind of like that. You know what? I'll tell you one other thing. It's a little reminder. I don't know if other nurses experience that, but sometimes in the OR, people get a little bit confused and they're not sure Hmm. Should the dressing go on the midline incision and then the flange sit on top? And I always want to say, no, no, no. The flange has to be anchored down first. And so, again, it was another nice opportunity to say the flange goes down first versus putting a dressing on the midline and then the flange sitting on top of that dressing. Do you know what I mean by that? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a great idea. So there was quite a few advantages from going into the OR. Do you know that even anecdotally, I'd say it was an opportunity just to talk one-on-one with the surgeon about stomas and stoma creation and what a difference it makes and facilitates an early discharge when you have that nice protruding stoma. And then I too see some of their difficulties when they have to bring along the mesentery to pull that stoma up. So I feel like there's a 
Ah, there's more of a bonding when you're working with the surgeon because it's so important for us to have that really lovely stoma creation. But I think we both become aware of each other's challenges. It's me, it's the surgeon and, and some of his challenges creating that stoma and him understanding why we love to have a protruding stoma for our loops as well. Yeah. I bet the appliances are all applied correctly now too. Like, I don't know about your OR, but sometimes depending on who is placing it, the appliance opening may have been cut way too large or they weren't always put on as well as we might like them. So I bet that solved that issue if you had it. Yeah. And you know what else too? The sideways. For some reason, sometimes in the OR, we get the sideways bag. So the bag doesn't land downward, but it goes, it lies sideways. So the emptying part is sort of out by their hip, so to speak, you know, it's not draining downwards. So we would kind of go, oh, and sometimes I go, "Mm, yeah, I think this one was put on in the OR. It has that sort of sideways look, I would say gently to the patient. And then I'd say, we're we're just going to change that. So it's sort of heading downwards as if you're going to empty in the toilet. So yeah, there was a number of things that benefited, you know, and I appreciate We're a team of three or four, we call them in Canada, nurses specialized in wound ostomy continence, NSWOCs. And so our team often will pop into the OR and I do feel it just helps that whole collaboration we have with one another. There's just something that is unique that happens and I I strongly encourage that if you can. Yeah. Well worth the time, I think. It is. It is. Yeah. Definitely. Now tell me about mucocutaneous separation. Have you had any issues with that? Because I think that might have been some of the fear, like that longstanding fear that some of us had. Tell me about that a little, Rosemary. Yeah, I wish in retrospect, I started tallying right away, but there was a lot going on. And so what I decided to do, Jody, was from about May onwards, because remember I started the change in January, So from May onwards, I started doing data collection on all the stomas that were created, all the brand new stomas. And I started to see, was there any mucocutaneous separation? And I also accompanied it with photos, okay? Because I think it's important to have that proof for later. So what I'm excited to tell you, because whenever you do change, you want to say, okay, is this working? And yes, anecdotally, definitely experiencing less leakage for sure. But I, I think the separation, I wanted to keep track of that. So what I can tell you to date right now, here we are just about to launch into October, is there have been two episodes where there was separation. And one was very small, but I still feel like it's reportable. It was just like about 20% sort of from three o'clock to six o'clock. It was about 0.3. And it was on a 95-year-old gentleman. So you can appreciate there'd be some comorbidities in that scenario. The other patient was very unique. I'm continuing to follow her today. She had a BMI of about 115 kilograms, so a very large BMI. Within 48 hours of her ostomy creation, she had a complete, I'll call it a circumferential mucocutaneous separation, and literally the stoma just plopped back in, retracted three centimeters 
below the skin level. But again, I think that, and I've had a chance to chat with the surgeon who saw it, and clearly she said, you know, Rosemary, there was tension. There was a lot of tension with the mesentery and pulling that up. Again, wouldn't have any relation to the soft convexity. So you're getting the data hot off the press, and I'm going to continue to look at it because I feel like I need to collect at least six months worth of data around the mucocutaneous separation, which, so this is really exciting news, I think, because I think that's so much, so often the fear of bringing that soft convexity early on in the program, like in the intraoperative period versus the postoperative period. And I think anecdotally, it's been brought in into the community experience. So sadly, I think it's been when patients, they could maybe get away with a flat barrier in those early days, they weren't moving around too much. But as soon as they got home and were starting to do more, that's when the leakage would happen. And that's when the convexity started. So we're really shifting, shifting, and really trying to have a lens of being preventative, being preventative and starting right at at the creation, right at that intraoperative period. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. So tell me what the take-home message is. Oh, take-home messages? Well, I guess I love hearing from my colleagues. So always when you have the opportunity and support There's nothing like connecting with other people from different countries and just hearing their experiences. So often they really have the same challenges that you do, whether you're from the United States, the UK, Australia, they have patients with new ostomies of different sizes and shape. And we all experience the trouble of when that stoma is flat and there's leakage, and what can we do? So that would be one. Do you know, I want to say it was really important that I collaborated with my own colleagues, my team. I said to my other team members here, my other ostomy clinicians, what do you think? Why don't we change it? And they said, yep, they were on board. So I had 100% collaboration with my other colleagues. The third thing was locally, I say local, I mean within Vancouver, British Columbia, to get the warehouse to have that soft convexity right there so that when I change it, so that when the bedside nurse is reaching for product on the ward, she's getting the same product that's being used in the OR. That background work is really important because a person is only as good as the tools they have readily available for them. So take some time to make sure you've got that soft convexity readily available on the shelf so you can reach for that and you're dealing with the same product. And yeah, go into the OR. I think that's so advantageous to do that. I know we haven't talked about this, Jody, but you know, I got to tell you, there's a cost savings here too. I want to say the savings is both from a mental health perspective and from a financial perspective. But you have no idea to set that person up, that ostomy person in those early days of not having leaks. It's so distressing. I went to the bedside of that lady who had the circumferential separation and she said, oh, Rosemary, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, she said, I had a blowout 
I had a disaster. And sure enough, she did. But I heard her emotional distress. And it was like, how am I going to manage? So where we can lessen that emotional distress right in those early days of having an ostomy, I think that's critical, critical. And then, of course, yeah, because I have a little bit of certain heritage that's economical, it's not great to be using different pouches every day. And the person is looking at it because they've asked, how much do these cost? And how am I going to afford this? So you want to set them up for success. And of course, you don't want them suffering from the skin damage that happens with leakage. And so those are really important things. Probably they're the ones that stand out as to setting that patient up for success right at the get-go. And they're not seeing the drama that happens when they have a leak. Yeah, they're very frustrating for the patients. Yeah. So this must have really streamlined your product formulary in the hospital. Or talk about that a little, if you don't mind, Rosemary. Yeah, it does. And so now on the shelf, yes, we still have a flat drainable pouch there. We do have moldable rings. We also do have adhesive removers. Those are our basics. But our convexity now is not the shallow convexity. The only convexity we have on the shelf would be our soft convexity, okay, in the two sizes, the two and a quarter and the two and three quarters. Okay, so that has streamlined that for sure. Okay, yeah, that's great. Then there's way less option to make the wrong choice or mismatching products and all that Exactly. And you mentioned you're doing data collection. That's going to be amazing to see what that looks like. What are your next steps with this project? And anything else you have to do with it? Or tell us about that a little bit. I really would like to start to somehow capture the leakage. I do need to start also doing numbers around that early post-operative period and people experiencing leakage and just start doing some numbers on that. I feel like my data collection has to be really objective. And I think that's an objective monitor. And obviously the corresponding, if there's leakage, was there skin damage? Maybe also I need to look at discharge dates, but discharge dates, oh, there's so many variables. Some of my patients are very, they're rural settings. So you have to sometimes hang on to them in terms of discharge because they're going to a setup where they may not even have a nurse coming to visit them. So just looking at discharge dates alone, there's a lot of variables. But yeah, I think I need to start looking at leakage numbers. This year, I was at the WOCN Next conference, and there was a practitioner who spoke about her adoption of soft convexity in urology patients. So I thought, okay, so I think it's growing. And I think I want to hear from others of what they're experiencing too when they go this route. One of my other colleagues on the island, she's doing the same thing with all of her urology patients. So sometimes it's easier to start off with a group like urology versus taking all the fecal and the urinary stomas as well. Okay. You're glad that you did that that way, I bet, now that you look back on it. You know, Jody, when I think about change, I sometimes start off fairly cautious and slow. I go back many years. I believe it was back in the early 2000 when I did my very first application 
of negative pressure wound therapy on one of the medical floors at my hospital. And I went very cautious and slowly until I began to see the benefits and understand how that modality would work for my patients. Because change, especially in these times that we're in, I think we have to recognize our resources are a little tighter. We have younger nurses. There is a scarcity of resources of nursing support on the wards and in the community. And I really want to be careful not to overwhelm people with change. And I think we have to go careful. I think that should be another message point is go careful with change. There's been a lot we've been through. I don't think we really can even quantify the impact of COVID those last three years. And some of our patients where their diagnosis has been delayed because of some limited access to healthcare providers. So go careful and cautious and make the gains slow. And then that builds the momentum. Great advice. So is there anything else, now that you look back on this project, is there anything else that you would have done differently? It sounds like you really had this set up for success from the beginning, but anything like if I were going to do this, what would you say to me? I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, there's one other thing. Yes. And I really should give a huge shout out to my new colleague who worked in the OR. And it was Melissa who said to me, you know, Rosemary, I don't know why we are not like, we should be doing this in the OR. And I had the beauty of that colleague who had worked 15 years in the OR So she was that wonderful teammate who helped me navigate the pathways in the OR. So what I would encourage you when you're thinking about if you're going to go the route of going into the OR, find your champion, your clinical educator, your person in the OR who's going to know all the nuances of the operating room. They know that country. So just when you're going to go on a travel trip to a different country, you get that travel guide. You find your OR travel guide, and that's going to be the person who's going to help you introduce that into that culture. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because that just suddenly came to me as something very important. Yeah, that's a great idea because not everybody maybe has a friend down there. Or exactly. Knows how to kind of get in the door there. Yeah, that's great. Any other last minute advice you would give to somebody that's considering doing this change? That's it, except that I'm open for any questions and let's make sure my email is available. Okay, we can do that. To answer questions. And you know what? I'm still learning. Hey, I'm still learning, right? It was January 2023 and I'm going to keep going. And let's keep in touch, okay? So that I let you know some new thoughts or new learnings that I've had as a result of this change. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for all your insight and sharing all the details of the change you made. It's so exciting to see what great outcomes you've had in your organization. Thanks so much, Jody. Loved connecting with you this morning. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, that's WOCN.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. Walk Talk.